One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We're going to start this episode off with something that might be difficult to listen to. This is defense attorney Frank Hogue, who has represented people that are up against the death penalty. But yeah, I was there while they killed him. Took, once they started the, the poison flowing in, it took about 23 minutes. And it was pretty gruesome. Yeah. But, you know, that's how they do it in Georgia. He's talking about where they do executions at the Georgia Diagnostic Prison in Jackson. The death house is you know, just a small place. There's officers all the way lined around the walls. There's four pews. We're in the second pew, defense lawyers. And right under the pews on the floor, every few feet, is a stack of barf bags. Because it happens so regularly that someone will just get sick during it. So they have these little airplane-like barf bags on the floor in there. Nobody did well, during the time I was in there. But it's just, um, it's arresting to see it happen. You're sitting there in a civilized time, in a civilized state, with a warden reading from a piece of paper. And when he's done, they start killing somebody who went in there healthy. Our client was in his 50s, healthy as a horse. And within 25 minutes, he was dead. Then I went to his funeral. GBI agents discovered much more involving the prison, including two more allegedly related murders. Crime and contraband in a local prison. It was a true whodunit at the time. Can't believe I'm saying this. Sent the hitman to the wrong address. All the options are on the table. We don't know. Things like this don't happen in Glenville, Georgia. I'm Evie Wilson-Weatherby, and this is Prison Town. I'm reporting this with Jessica Salagi. If you haven't listened to our previous episodes, I would encourage you to go back so that you can follow our reporting from the very beginning. As a quick recap, the 88-year-old Bobby Kicklider was brutally murdered in January of 2021. The door was kicked in, and he was shot while he was sleeping. And four people were charged with his murder. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation's case is that the inmate at Smith State Prison, Nathan Weeks, used a contraband phone 
to hire a buddy of his from prison who was out on parole, Christopher Sumlin Jr., to kill a corrections officer who was cracking down on contraband. Nathan Weeks's girlfriend, Keisha Jones, had allegedly hired her roommate, Ariel Murphy, to drive the getaway car. But they got the wrong house, and they killed his neighbor. And GBI agent Christian Johnson was able to connect this murder to another one that happened two weeks prior, the murder of Jerry Lee Davis, a man and father who had a job delivering goods to Smith State Prison. Another woman, Jessica Gerling, was found dead a few months later, and she was thought to be in a relationship with Nathan Weeks. Both Jessica Gerling and Keisha Jones had been corrections officers at Smith State Prison, and both were fired over contraband. The district attorney is seeking the death penalty for two of the defendants in the Bobby Kicklighter case, the two men. Jessica and I were in the room when Nathan Weeks and later Christopher Sumlin filed in, and the court read aloud that they would be seeking the death penalty. Yes, Your Honor. At this time, uh, the state will announce for the record that on the 24th day of August 2022, the state of Georgia, by and through the elected district attorney for the Atlantic Judicial Circuit, Mr. Tom Durden filed a notice of intent to seek the death penalty against Nathan Weeks and Christopher Reginald Sumlin Jr. On Marla Davis, the widow of Jerry Lee Davis, sat right behind Jessica Salaji with her parents. There was one other journalist, and then it seemed like everybody else was law enforcement, filling up the back two rows. Remember how we talked about understaffing? Well, bringing an inmate to court requires staffing. A team had to accompany Nathan Weeks to court that day. The officers were all in black clothing, and most of them wore something to cover their faces. Both Christopher Sumlin and Nathan Weeks had asked not to be photographed or filmed in shackles. We have to protect the jury pool. I mean, this is, this is going to be a death penalty trial, so... So they came through the side door, wearing plain clothing. I remember that Nathan Weeks had on what looked like a really fancy watch, It was white and chunky. I'd never witnessed a death penalty proceeding, and I was surprised by all of the particulars. But it makes sense. If the state is looking to take someone's life, they better do it properly. You can't undo it. As a criminal defense lawyer, there's no greater stakes than a death penalty case. That's Frank Hogue again, a criminal defense attorney who has tried nine death penalty cases. And funny enough, Frank was approached to represent Nathan Weeks on this case, but he turned it down. Brian called me about that case a year or so ago. I'm glad I said no. Sounds horrible. (laughs) Before I even met him, Hogue sent me a copy of the Unified Appeal Procedure that outlines exactly how the Supreme Court expects procedure to go for cases with the death penalty. And if you'll notice in the Unified Appeal Procedure, the qualifications are for appointed counsel. That's because almost all death penalty defendants are defended by appointed lawyers. They rarely have retained counsel. Retained counsel just means that the defendant or his family or someone has hired a lawyer of their choosing. Well, a death penalty case is very costly to defend and to prosecute. And then th- so most people facing the death penalty are not wealthy people, and they don't have the money to hire lawyers. Christopher Sumlin is using a court-appointed attorney, but Nathan Weeks was able to retain one. 
Remember, he's been incarcerated since he was 14. You can figure that the average death penalty case takes about $500,000 to defend. And so that's a rare person who can hire lawyers to do that. A death penalty proceeding is unique because 12 jurors are selected. They try the case, and if the defendant is found guilty, the same jurors come back to listen to the case again. But the second time determines the sentence. Death, life with, or life without parole. All three sentences have to be honestly open to that juror. Well, and I'll tell you, I, had, I selected a death penalty jury, and a, a woman took the witness stand as a juror, and she said this I thought was interesting. Uh, she said, you know, I've talked about the death penalty at cocktail parties and other gatherings, and I've said what I've heard other people say, oh, yeah, they ought to fry him. But she said, but now that I'm sitting in this chair and I'm looking at the guy the defendant that the prosecutor's later going to ask me to put to death, it's no joke. It feels completely different than when I was talking about it at a party. Frank Hogue explained that often the case hinges on this, on an individual's ability to send another person to death. And one of the things I say to jurors is I try to appeal to their conscience. Do you want to be the person who had the option not to kill somebody, but you did it anyway. You could conclude that there is no good reason to spare this person's life other than being merciful alone, and that's enough. The defense does a thorough investigation of their client's history, trying to make a case to appeal to the jurors to explain why this person is the way that they are. You can't get a death verdict in Georgia unless 12, all 12 jurors agree to give you the death penalty. And if all 12 of them conclude, we can't have this guy left alive among us. He must die. That's an appropriate burden the state has to, to meet. I mean, the whole goal for the defense, obviously, is keep this guy off death row. You're looking for a way to resolve the case without a jury. One of the little sayings that we have in the death penalty defense community is if you're in trial, you're in trouble. Right now, Nathan Weeks and Christopher Sumlin are going to trial. And Frank Hogue recently represented another Georgia inmate in a death penalty trial. He represented Donnie Rowe. And he had a particularly uphill battle because Donnie Rowe was already serving life without the possibility of parole. He was going to die in prison. And then he tried to escape. He did escape, killed two prison guards along the way with his co-defendant. But I think what's instructive about the result in the Roe case, where a jury could not agree on the, the punishment and we, we avoided the death penalty, is that we still had at least six, possibly seven jurors out of 12 in that case knowing that our guy was serving life without parole already when he committed these two murders, still couldn't give him a death sentence. While Frank Hogue was representing him, Donnie Rowe was moved to the special management unit in Jackson, Georgia. The special management unit is a unique place. It's the most um, secure prison in the state of Georgia. Uh, We hired a prison expert who came and toured it. The 
procedures there for maintaining security and keeping inmates from escaping or even causing violence to each other are just extraordinary. Um, It's truly like everybody in there is in isolation from one another. They don't get human contact with anyone else. What was the purpose of the tour? We did the tour and got videos of of our client in prison at times when we were not there showing how they moved him from his cell to the little outdoor cage where they gave them an hour, uh, I think an hour a week outside and, and any other movements into and out of their private cell. And so our tour was designed to allow our expert who was with us to examine the security measures at that prison, which he did. And then he testified later at our jury trial in the sentencing phase for the purpose of telling the jury that this prison could contain Donnie Rowe. You can feel safe if you give this man a life sentence and they put him and keep him at the SMU. He's not going anywhere and he's not going to hurt anybody. That was the point of it. When you and your tour looked at security, did that only mean, can this inmate escape? That was the primary concern because the case, as you know, involved an escape from a prison. That was off of a prison bus. And, And we just knew that we had to be able to tell a jury, look, if you don't give him the death penalty and he gets another life without parole sentence, he's not going to be in a position ever again to escape or even attempt to escape and possibly hurt prison guards. So, yeah, I mean, the cell phone issue, I don't think, loomed very large in our case because the bigger concern was not whether Roe would be able to talk to somebody on a phone while he was alive serving his life sentence, but whether he could escape and hurt people. I reached out to District Attorney Wright Barksdale, who had prosecuted this case. And I wanted to see the evidence shown in Donnie Rowe's proceedings so that I could see how secure the special management unit really was. Donnie Rowe had escaped the prison transport bus with another inmate, Ricky DuBose. Ricky DuBose was found guilty and sentenced to the death penalty. But soon after his sentence, he killed himself in his cell. When I walked into Wright Barksdale's office, I thought I had caught him in the middle of something because there were bags of evidence laid across his desk. I actually almost asked to see if we could do the interview somewhere else. But then he said, Everything you see on this table right here comes from Ricky Dubose, and it's during his time at the special management unit. Not one phone, two phone, three phone, four phone. What we found was methamphetamine numerous phones, a handcuff key that actually worked. He's got a set of Allen wrenches over there. Okay, tools. Why is that important? Because those tools can take apart the door to his cell. As we worked this case, it got to a point that we were no longer shocked by anything. If he would have had a Corvette at that prison system, I wouldn't have been shot. After Bobby Kicklider and Jerry Lee Davis were murdered, 
Nathan Weeks was moved to this prison, the Special Management Unit, and that's where he is right now. After this, we're going to speak with a man that used to be the warden of this prison, of the Special Management Unit in Jackson. We'll be right back after this. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. TheGeorgiaVirtue.com is an online news publication based in Southeast Georgia. Our daily content focuses on local government, the justice system, and public corruption. Visit TheGeorgiaVirtue.com to subscribe to our newsletter for the latest headlines and updates. This podcast is exploring issues that stem from Smith State Prison in Glenville, Georgia. But when an inmate commits a crime in prison, they're often moved to a different facility. In this case... Nathan Weeks was moved from Smith State Prison, almost three hours away, to the Special Management Unit in Jackson, Georgia, the same facility where Frank Hogue would meet with his client, Donnie Rowe. We've been exploring this specific case around the murder of Bobby Kicklider because it allows us to look at issues that we've found to be widespread across the Georgia Department of Corrections. Remember, Smith State Prison is our case study. So we thought, why not look at Georgia's most secure prison and see if it has some of the same issues? At the time when Nathan Weeks was moved to the special management unit, Jose Morales was the warden. Morales no longer works for the Georgia Department of Corrections, but he spent 22 years with them. And he was a warden for 12 of those. See, I'm I'm from uh, New York, and I was uh, in the Army for 24 years, so dealing with people of all different backgrounds... You know, I'm, I'm good at that. In my career, I've never had a homicide in my 12 years as a warden. Not one homicide. I, I, I've never had to lifelike anybody. Um, uh, I've never had a homicide. And out of uh, my 12 years, I had one suicide. Uh, and that was uh, someone at the uh, SNU. Uh, We only had uh, a handful of people 
And so they were not making the 15 minute round checks. Uh, and so they found the individual hung. Yeah. Uh, but, but that was the only one. Our other wardens, they had six or seven. The special management unit is the facility that is considered the last stop for inmates before death row. It houses 194 inmates, uh, the most dangerous inmates in the uh, state of Georgia. Uh, These inmates have committed uh, a murder while they were incarcerated or they attempted to escape from inside the prison. You're dealing with mentally ill, dangerous inmates. They're violent, extremely violent. They're all housed in individual cells. It's called the lockdown unit. It's the, the, the end of the road for the most dangerous inmates in Georgia outside of a death row. Morales explained that even the prison where we house our most notorious and violent criminals is understaffed. He told me that for SMU to be fully staffed for one shift, they would need 17 people working security. And in the two years that he was warden there, he never once had a fully staffed prison. Most days, he only had four or six people show up. The pay was bad. Dealing with an inmate was more than they can handle. So uh, they kept leaving. Problems can happen when there isn't supervision. Let me give an example. There are dormitories that have no one supervising them. And so they go to cooking their summer sausage, uh, burning toilet paper, uh, they start gambling, uh, they start beating up. For example, if somebody wants to join a particular gang, they have to get jumped in. So they take the individual inside the bathroom area and they go to fighting five against one. And so all that will happen, even uh, escape attempts, because there's no officer to watch or monitor or supervise. So despite understaffing, Jose Morales would still have to secure his prison. And he said that the key was in identifying gang leaders and working with them. Oh, yeah, I had them all. Uh, I had the uh, Crip leader. Uh, I had the, um, the Ghostface gangster, uh, the Crips, the, the Bloods, the Gangster Disciple, MS-13, um, the uh, uh, Northern Mexican, Southern Mexican. Uh, I had all the, either the number one or the number two gang leader. If you want to succeed and uh, be able to manage the uh, gang population, you have to talk with the gang leaders because they know, you know, that they're the gang leaders. Everybody follows them. Uh, You can tell that when he says something, the others do it. Uh, When you come around, they, they surround the leader. So if uh, I knew the bloods were up to something, uh, I would get notes. I would, you know, I had confidential informants. So if I knew it involved the gangster disciples against the, uh, the bloods, I would go talk to both leaders separately. And I would tell them, hey, man, if you don't quail this, then I'm going to lock you down because you're the leader. All right, Warden, I, I tell you what, let me, let me handle it. Let me handle it. Uh, with my people, I take care of this. I, I, I would stop things from happening before it happened. Jose Morales had respect for his inmates. He understood them and their families.
because his brother had been incarcerated for 30 years. So they knew I really cared for them. But they also knew that uh, I didn't put up with any BS. I I could walk around my entire prison by myself with no security, just me alone. And I can walk in their cells. I can walk in their dormitory. Hey, Warden, how are you? How you doing? Uh, Most wardens will walk in there with an entourage. And remember, he didn't have to. But Jose Morales allowed a prison expert to tour the special management unit when he was the warden there for Frank Hoag's case. And that prison expert found that the special management unit was incredibly secure. So much so that a jury felt convinced that Donnie Rowe would not be able to escape. And he got life without parole. Again, where he would serve out the rest of his sentence at the special management unit. But what I find so interesting in this case about Bobby Kicklider and Jerry Lee Davis, it's the idea that security is no longer about an inmate physically being able to escape the walls of a prison. But rather, it's this idea that with a cell phone, those prison walls disappear. They can get someone who is not in prison to do their criminal activity for them. This idea of hiring a hitman. I've had several hits out on me for uh, disrupting contraband. Uh, so it's, it's no game. It's serious business. What happened at Smith State Prison is only unique because they made a mistake. They murdered the wrong person. And the criminal activity that can happen when an inmate uses a contraband phone doesn't necessarily have to be violent. In October of 2022, Danny Robbins, a journalist at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, broke a story about Arthur Lee Cofield Jr., another inmate at the Special Management Unit in Jackson. Cofield had allegedly assumed the identity of a California billionaire and stole $11 million from his Charles Schwab account. The details are wild. Cofield allegedly convinced a customer service representative at Charles Schwab that he was in fact the billionaire, even though he was sitting in prison at the Special Management Unit. And then he wired $11 million to a company so that he could buy more than 6,000 one-ounce gold coins. And then prosecutors believe that he hired a private jet to carry those coins to Atlanta, where he purchased a $4.4 million house. When I asked Morales about Cofield, this is what he said. The the guy had uh, the iPhone 11 even before I, I could get my hands on one. And then when I seen his account, we were able to, you know, just look through the what he had open already before it locked. Uh, we went into his bank account and he had over 30, uh, $33 million in his account from scamming inside the prison. I should also mention that Arthur Lee Cofield Jr. used a contraband cell phone while in prison in Tattnall County to hire a hitman. That's why he was sent to the special management unit in the first place. I was curious if Cofield was well-behaved or if he was a troublemaker. He was as quiet as a mouse. You didn't hear nothing from Cofield. His bed is made. His locker box is clean. uh, He's standing there, very low profile, very quiet. But every time I went into his cell, I found cell phones inside potato chip bags, 
Uh, Cofield was a heavyset guy, and I would find them hidden under his uh, breast in, in uh, body rolls, stomach rolls. Morales said that he knew that they were getting phones in, but he couldn't figure out who was bringing them into the prison. Um, Wednesday, I'd find a phone, clear the cell. By the next morning, he had another one. Uh, he was getting his phone from the night shift. I had a dirty lieutenant who was the shift supervisor, and he, uh, well, she in this case, was making a lot of money. He was paying $10,000 for a iPhone. When you're making pennies as a lieutenant and you got four kids, and when they weigh 10 grand and, and they'll put the money in your cash app account before you have to bring it in. So now if you don't bring it in, they put a hit on you. This is District Attorney Wright Barksdale again. Think about the level that has to take place. When I go into a prison system, I'm going to go through an x-ray machine or they've got these full body scan machines that are in place, okay? I mean, they see everything, all right? I mean, I mean, they see everything. For, an, for a guard to get in contraband, that means that the person working those machines at the entrance has to be on it. And there has to be people other guards bringing it in. There are checkpoints in place. For someone to bring something into the prison, it means that the person that was checking their stuff also had to look the other way. So I can only imagine that when the corrections officer, Erian Moore, brought that $29,000 in cash to Smith State Prison, she had probably expected someone else to be working the checkpoint that day. It's a secret that is not a secret anymore. These prisons are not secure these prisons are open for business, for criminal activity. This issue has not, has not touched the right people. I keep coming back to this idea that there are some corrections officers that are caught with contraband and aren't charged. They're just let go from their jobs. If they have a solid evidence. That's Jose Morales again. They're caught in the act. They, the marijuana is on them. Five cell phones are on you, you will go to uh, jail. Now, the judge will put them on probation or something like that because, it, you know, in, in the eyes of a, uh, a judge, uh, well, you know, he only had a cell phone, but that cell phone could ha- uh, plan escapes, put hits on officers. Uh, you know, they don't see the dangers surrounding the phones. So, Nathan Weeks the inmate that allegedly used a contraband phone to hire a hit on a corrections officer and got the wrong person, was moved to the special management unit. And within a month, he was able to coerce a guard. Jessica Salaji obtained warrants taken out by the Georgia Department of Corrections Criminal Investigations Division. They state that Nathan Weeks had paid a guard $2,000, so that she could move roughly $30,000 around on cash apps for him. And he was able to do that at the most secure facility in Georgia. And the worst part about this is the dates. A warrant for that corrections officer says that this happened in June, and Jessica Gerling was killed on June 28th. A few weeks ago, in March of 2023, 
we got another bill of indictment from Long County. It charges Nathan Weeks, Keisha Jones, and a new person, a new hitman, Dennis Sebastian Kraft, with the malice murder of Jessica Gerling. And Nathan Weeks actually saved Dennis Kraft's contact in his phone under the pseudonym John Wick, a fictional hired assassin. So this was the third murder that the Georgia Bureau of Investigations has linked back to Nathan Weeks while he was an inmate in the Georgia Department of Corrections. These are my favorite two lines in this new indictment. I'm going to read them verbatim. Quote, Many GDC staff members have been terminated and criminally charged based upon the work of both the Criminal Investigation Division and GDC's Intelligence Unit. However, because many inmates currently smuggling contraband encourage their co-conspirators on the outside of the prison system to apply for GDC jobs, the Criminal Investigations Division is in a cycle of whack-a-mole investigations with GDC staff. The prosecutors note that contraband phones are the single most persistent problem within GDC. They know how valuable they are because of how much they're worth. Remember, Arthur Lee Cofield Jr. paid $10,000 for each phone, and his got confiscated daily. So prosecutors believe that Nathan Weeks was able to hire and pay for another hitman while he was at the most lockdown facility in Georgia. And now, Nathan Weeks's fate hinges on 12 jurors and their ability to choose to end another person's life. Remember that all 12 would have to unanimously choose the death penalty for him to be executed. And in the meantime, or in the case that he gets life without parole, he will serve out his time at the special management unit. But this question of cell phones and contraband remains. To be honest, I came into this reporting thinking, What's so bad about having a cell phone if you're serving life behind bars? If an inmate in Georgia uses the phones provided at a prison, a call costs about $2 for 15 minutes. So that's $8 to talk for an hour, which is more than minimum wage. I've spoken with family members whose loved ones were killed inside of Georgia's prisons. And everyone that I've spoken with so far was notified about that violence from another inmate on a contraband cell phone before they were ever notified by the Georgia Department of Corrections. And a lot of people that watch prison TikTok know that inmates use contraband phones to share the deplorable prison conditions, the food they have to eat, the violence they have to see, and the mold they have to put up with. Back in 2010, inmates used contraband cell phones to organize a nonviolent strike across Georgia's prisons. The inmates wanted better living conditions. They wanted to be paid for their work, they wanted more educational opportunities. Sarah Wheaton reported about it for the New York Times back in 2010, and she included a quote from an inmate called Mike at Smith State Prison. He said they took away their cigarettes in August or September, and then a bunch of them just got to talking. Another inmate at Smith State Prison, Miguel, told Sarah Wheaton that he had bought his cell phone from a corrections officer, and that was more than a decade ago. How would we know about the inside if we didn't have whistleblowers? But how is it that corrections officers are still bringing in contraband into prisons? And what could the Georgia Department of Corrections do about it? Our justice system makes it seem like there's only two options. 
either Nathan Weeks and Christopher Sumlin get the death penalty, or they serve out their life sentences at the Special Management Unit, a place already permeated by corruption, where we know that inmates can get phones and access thousands of dollars virtually to do whatever is their bidding. But I can't believe that that's true. There has to be a third option, one in which a juror could choose mercy and still sleep at night. In the next episode, we're going to explore this. We're going to return back to the warden Brian Adams, who was arrested on February 8th and charged with corruption. He was also mentioned in the indictment for Jessica Gerling's murder. Who was he? And why didn't the Georgia Department of Corrections do anything about it for a really long time? Next week on Prison Town. The warden wants to do what's best for the warden so the warden doesn't get in trouble. Yes, everywhere you look, it's, it's, it's really head-scratching, horrifying, and just really makes you kind of catch your breath and say, how does this happen? Please help. I'm being moved so that I can't respond to my lawsuit. And as I'm talking to you right now, you, you grin and you shake your head because it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's hard to comprehend. The public has no idea. We're constantly learning how many things happened under the watch of Brian Adams. Prison Town is produced by Jessica Salaji and me, Evie Wilson-Weatherby, supported by the Center for Collaborative Journalism and the Georgia Virtue. Original theme song composed by Francois Byers. Story consulting by Debbie Blankenship. A special thank you to Jonathan Weatherby for the graphics, to Louis Levine, Rachel Schaff, and Sophie Gratis. In this episode, you heard interviews from Frank Hogue, Wright Barksdale, and Jose Morales. If you're looking for more information, go to prisontownpodcast.com to see all of Jessica Salagi's original reporting. We'll also include images that we got from the district attorney, Wright Barksdale, that will show you how Ricky DuBose was able to hide things in his cell door while at the special management unit. You can also follow us on Instagram at PrisontownUSA. Next week is our final episode. It's going to be a little bit longer, but I promise it's going to be a doozy. 